Chapter Three of All in the Day's Work by Ida Tarbell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Coeducational College of the Eighties. When I entered Allegheny College in the fall of eighteen seventy six, I made my first contact with the past. I had been born and reared a pioneer i knew only the beginning of things the making of a home in the wilderness the making of an industry from the ground up i had seen the hardships of beginnings the joy of realization the attacks that success must expect but of things with a past things that had made themselves permanent i knew nothing it struck me full in the face now for this was an old college as things west of the alleghanies were reckoned an old college in an old town here was history and i had never met it before to recognize it the town lay in the valley of a tributary of the allegheny river french creek its oldest tradition after the tales of indians was that george washington once drank from a spring on the edge of the campus certainly he passed that way in seventeen fifty three when he came up the river valley from fort duquesne pittsburgh following the route which led to fort leboeuf near lake erie he comments in his diary published the year after his trip on the extensive rich meadows through which he had passed one of which i believe was nearly four miles in length and considerable wider in some places to this particular rich meadow a few years later came one david meade and laid out a town and sold land here soon after came the representative of the holland land company colonizers of first quality good men came distinguished names in pennsylvania's history and they wanted a college the answer to their wish came in eighteen fifteen when one of the most scholarly men of that day timothy alden of massachusetts heard their call and picking up all his worldly possessions made the two months trip by coach and boat to the settlement called meadville timothy alden like many of his fellows was fired by a deep belief that through christian democracy alone could men arrive at the better world towards which he scholar that he was knew they had been groping from their earliest beginnings but men could only come to an understanding of their individual and collective responsibilities to democracy through education therefore as men spread westward he and others like him must follow them with education but once in meadville how little he found with which to carry out his project a log courthouse for a schoolhouse and little or no money though of what they had men gave freely now timothy allen knew that throughout the east were men of scholarly traditions convinced as was he that democracy would only work if men were trained to understanding and sacrifice he believed that they would help his western venture in eighteen sixteen he went east to find out he was not wrong in thinking there would be sympathy for the young college out of their meagre store men gave this one fifty cents that one five dollars few more and men gave books one two five the list of donors now in the college archives shows many of the best-known names of the day lowell adams tucker parkman channing in boston and twenty-nine fine new york names 
friends were made for allegheny in every town and city where its brave story was told timothy alden came back with three hundred and sixty-one dollars in money and with books more needed than money estimated to be worth one thousand six hundred forty two dollars twenty six cents from that time he kept the undertaking steadily before the east promoted it by every method known to the times a great response to his passionate effort came in eighteen nineteen when the college world of the east was shocked by learning that william bentley of salem massachusetts had left his famous collection of classical and theological books dictionaries lexicons and bibles to a college in the wilderness of northwestern pennsylvania a college without a home still doing its work in a log courthouse that gift long a bitter drop in the cup of harvard it is said made a home of its own necessity for allegheny and in eighteen twenty the cornerstone of bentley hall named for the donor was laid it took many years to complete it but when done on the lines timothy alden had himself laid down it was one of the most beautiful buildings in the country Today it easily stands, after Independence Hall, as the most perfect piece of colonial architecture in the state of Pennsylvania. For me, Bentley Hall was an extraordinary experience. It was the first really beautiful building I had seen, a revelation, something I had never dreamed of. Fifty-six years had passed since the cornerstone of Bentley Hall was laid, and not one of them without disappointments and sacrifices more than once it had seemed as if the brave attempt must fail two buildings only had been added in these years culver hall a frame boarding-house for men ruder hall a grim uncompromising three-story rectangular brick structure fifty by ninety feet in size a perfect reflection of the straitened period to which it belonged the factory was our slighting name for ruder hall but in this stern structure i was to find a second deep satisfaction the library in a room on the top floor ninety feet long and at least sixteen in height was housed not only the splendid bentley collection but one even more valuable that of judge james winthrop of cambridge massachusetts rare volumes from the great presses of europe three tons of books brought overland in wagons by boston teamsters in eighteen twenty two they lined the great unbroken inside wall as well as every space between openings from the window seats one looked out on the town in the valley its roofs and towers half hidden by a wealth of trees and beyond to a circle of round-breasted hills before i left allegheny i had found a very precious thing in that severe room the companionship there is in the silent presence of books allegheny did not of course admit women at the start but the ferment caused by the passing of the fourteenth amendment making it clear that only men were to be regarded as citizens stirred the allegheny constituents mightily its chief patron as i have said was the methodist church now the methodist church was a militant reformer the greatest of its bishops matthew simpson had backed mrs stanton and miss anthony and their colleagues at every step leaders among methodist women had been abolitionists aggressive temperance advocates and now they became militant suffragists their influence began to tell 
in eighteen seventy with misgivings in not a few minds the admission of women was voted this was the same year that the university of michigan opened its doors to women and two years before cornell in the six years before i entered ten women had graduated when i came there were but two seniors two juniors no sophomores i was a lone freshman in a class of forty hostile or indifferent boys the friendly and facetious professor charged with the care of the young ladies put it that i was lost in the wilderness of boy from the first i was dimly conscious that i was an invader that there was abroad a spirit of masculinity challenging my right to be there and there were taboos not to be disregarded my first experience was that of which virginia woolf speaks so bitterly in a room of one's own the closing of the college green to her at oxbridge nearly fifty years before her book was written i was having at allegheny the same experience the sloping green of the campus below bentley hall was inviting between classes i made my way one day to a seat under a tree only to hear a horrified call from the walk above come back come back quick an imperative summons from an upper-class woman you mustn't go on that side of the walk only men go there it was not so simple to find a spot where you could go and be comfortable if bentley hall where all the classes were held was a beautiful piece of architecture its interior could hardly have been more severe the rooms were heated with pot-bellied cast-iron stoves seated with the hardest wooden chairs lighted by kerosene lamps in winter and the winters were long the snow tracked in kept the floors wet and cold often one wore a muffler in chapel but of all that i was unheeding my pioneer childhood served me well moreover i realized at the start that i had found what i had come to college for direction in the only field in which i was interested science i found it in a way that i doubt if cornell could have given me at the moment shy and immature as i was the warming and contagious enthusiasm of a great natural teacher one who had an ardent passion for those things which had stirred me and a wide knowledge which he fed by constant study and travel jeremiah tingley the head of allegheny's department of natural science professor tingley was then a man of fifty sparkling alive informal three years before he had been one of the fifty chosen from many hundred applicants to spend the summer with louis agassiz on the island of penikese in buzzards bay agassiz had planned with enthusiasm for the penikese summer school and for those privileged to enter who could understand and appreciate it it was an unforgettable experience certainly it was for jeremiah tingley he carried there agassiz's faith in observation and classification as well as his reverence for nature and all her ways for both men the material world was but the cover of the spirit professor tingley would quote agassiz sometimes nature always brings us back to absolute truth whenever we wander this fervent faith had a profound and quieting effect on my religious tumult i learned a new word pantheism being still in that early stage of development where there must be a definite word by which to classify oneself 
i began to call myself a pantheist and i had a creed which i repeated more often than the creed i had learned in childhood flower in the crannied wall i pluck you out of the crannies i hold you here root and all in my hand little flower but if i could understand what you are root and all and all in all i should know what god and man is it reassured me i was on the right track for was i not going to find out with the microscope what god and man are professor tingley's method for those he found really interested in scientific study was to encourage them to look outside the book there was where i had already found my joy but i suspected it was the wilful way that the true way was to know first what was in the books here in professor tinkley's classes you were ordered to go and see for yourself he used to tell us a story of his first experience at pennikey's a stone was put before him a round water-washed stone on which he was to report he looked at the stone turned it over there was nothing to report it is not on the outside it is the inside of things that matters said agassiz and in the laboratory that became our watchword look inside discovering my interest in the microscope i was not only allowed i was urged to use the magnificent binocular belonging to the college was given the free run of the laboratory along with a few as crazy as myself here my most exciting adventure apart from what i found under the microscope came from actually having my hands on a missing link evolution to which i was clinging determinedly could only be established i realized by discovering the links there was one peculiar to the waters in our valley the memopomo alleganiensis a creature twelve to fifteen inches long with gills and one lung able to live in the water or mud as circumstances required the mud puppy as it was appropriately called was slimy loathsome but i worked over it with awe was i not being admitted into the very workshop of nature herself seeing how she did it professor tingley took his little group of laboratory devotees into his home circle he and mrs tingley were housed in a wing of bentley hall big rooms built for classrooms they had no children and in the years of their study and travel they had gathered about them things of beauty and interest the atmosphere of those rooms was something quite new and wonderful to me it was my first look into the intimate social life possible to people interested above all in ideas beauty music and glad to work hard and live simply to devote themselves to their cultivation and such good talks most of it was concerned with fresh scientific thought the inventions and discoveries which were stirring the world an omnivorous reader of the scientific publications of europe and america professor tingley kept us excited not only by what had been done but what it might mean there was the telephone i had been in college but a few weeks when my father asked me to go with him and my brother to the centennial exposition of eighteen seventy six president bugby who had made me his special care for a time mrs bugby even taking me into their home until an appropriate boarding-place could be found was heartily in favor of my going i went and when i returned 
professor tingley's first question was did you see the telephone i hadn't even heard of it two exhibits only of that exposition made a deep enough impression on me to last until today my first corot and the corliss engine professor tingley was greatly disappointed and i did not understand why until a few weeks later he called the student body together to explain and illustrate the telephone by a home-made instrument you'll talk to your homes from these rooms one day he told us new york will talk to boston he didn't suggest chicago dreamer the boys said dreamer my father and his titusville friends said a little later when an agent of the bell associates the first company to attempt putting the new invention within reach of everybody came to town selling stock how often i heard it said later if i'd bought that telephone stock years later i told alexander graham bell of my introduction to the telephone nobody he said can estimate what the teachers of science in colleges and high schools were doing in those days not only to spread knowledge of the telephone but to stir youth to tackle the possibilities in electricity what i best remember is not the telephone but professor tingley's amazing enthusiasm for the telephone this revelation of enthusiasm its power to warm and illuminate was one of the finest and most lasting of my college experiences the people i had known teachers preachers doctors businessmen all went through their day's work either with a stubborn often sullen determination to do their whole duty or with an undercurrent of uneasiness as if they found pleasure in duty they seemed to me to feel that they were not really working if they were not demonstrating the puritan teaching that labor is a curse it had never seemed so to me but i did not dare gloat over it and here was a teacher who did gloat over his job in all its ramifications moreover he did his best to stir you to share his joy but while i looked on what i was learning in the laboratory as what i had come to college for while each term stiffened my ambition to go deeper and deeper into the search for the original atom science was not all that interested me the faculty if small was made up largely of seasoned men with a perspective on life there was not only deep seriousness but humor and tolerance and since we were so small a college the student was close enough to discover them to find out what each man as an individual had to offer him as i learned the power of enthusiasm from jeremiah tingley i learned from another man of that faculty the value of contempt holding the chair of latin was one of the few able teachers i have known george haskins father of that sound scholar of international repute the late charles homer haskins at the time of his death professor emeritus of medieval history at harvard university what deep satisfaction his career gave his father himself a man of many disappointments george haskin labored usually in vain to arouse to us the choiceness of latinity the meaning of rome's rise and fall the quality of her men the relation of that life to ours professor haskins contempt for our lack of understanding for our slack preparation was something utterly new to me in human intercourse the people i knew with rare exceptions spared one another's feelings 
i had come to consider that a superior grace you must be kind if you lied for it but here was a man who turned on indifference neglect carelessness with bitter and caustic contempt left his victim seared the sufferers lived to say some of them at least i deserved it he was never unjust never inappreciative of effort cherish your contempts henry james advised me once when he had drawn from me a confession of the conflict between my natural dislike of saying anything unpleasant about anybody and the necessity of being cruel even brutal if the work i had undertaken was to be truthful in fact and logic cherish your contempts said mr james and strength to your elbow if it had not been for george haskins i doubt if i should have known what he meant nor should i ever have become the steady rather dogged worker i am the contempt for shiftlessness which he inspired in me aroused a determination to be a good worker i began to train my mind to go at its task regularly keep hours study whether i liked a thing or not i forced myself not to waste time not to loaf not to give up before i finished if i failed at any point in this discipline i suffered a certain mental and spiritual malaise a dissatisfaction with myself hard to live with in spite of my painful efforts to make a regular worker out of myself life at college was lightened by my discovery of the boy incredible as it seems to me now i had come to college at eighteen without ever having dared to look fully into the face of any boy of my age to be sure i had from childhood nourished secret passions for a succession of older individuals whom i never saw except at a distance and with whom i never exchanged a word my brother and his friends my father and his friends these i had always hobnobbed with but those who naturally should have been my companions i shunned i was unable to take part in those things that brought the young people of the day together i did not dance the methodist discipline forbade it i was incredibly stupid and uninterested in games still am i had no easy companionable ways was too shy to attempt them i had my delights the hills which i ran the long drives behind our little white horse the family doings the reading of french regularly with my splendid friend annette grombin still living still as she was then a vitalizing influence in the town and state for all that makes for a higher social life these things and my precious evening walks the full length of titusville's main street alone or with some girl-friend while we talked of things deepest in our minds but in all this there was no boy i was not long in discovering him when i reached allegheny for the taboos i encountered at the start soon yielded under the increased number of women women in college in special courses in the preparatory department they swept masculine prohibitions out of the way took possession made a different kind of institution of it less scholastic gayer easier going the daily association in the classrooms the contacts and appraisements the mutual interests and intimacies the continual procession of college doings which in the nature of things required that you should have a masculine attendant 
soon put me at my ease i was learning learning fast but the learning carried its pains i still had a stiff-necked determination to be free to avoid entangling alliances of all kinds had become an obsession with me i was slow in laying it aside when i began to take part in the social life of the college and because of it i was guilty of one performance which was properly enough a scandal to the young men there were several men's fraternities in the college most of the boys belonged to one or another it was an ambition of the fraternities to put their pins on acceptable town and college girls you were a delta girl or a gamma girl or a phi psi girl i resented this effort to tag me why should i not have friends in all the fraternities and i had i accumulated four pins and then one disastrous morning went into chapel with the four pins on my coat there were a few months after that when if it had not been for two or three non-frat friends i should have been a social outcast i spent four years in allegheny college measured by what i got instead of by what i did not get and was obliged to learn later i regard them as among the most profitable of my life i find often that men and women accuse the college of not opening their minds to life as it is in the world for a mind sufficiently developed to see life as it is i cannot conceive a more fruitful field than the classics if i had been sufficiently mature i could have learned from george haskins teachings of cicero and tacitus and livy more than i know to-day about the ways of men in their personal and their national relations more of the causes of war of the weaknesses of governments but i was not ready for it life is the great teacher and she leads us step by step it is not the fault of the human teacher that his pupil must learn to climb by climbing it was in the spring of eighteen eighty that i graduated i still carried the same baggage with which i had entered a little heavier to be sure a little better packed a little better adapted to the purpose the only difference which threatened disturbance was that i had added an item which i had refused to bring with me in eighteen seventy six then i was not willing to believe i would ever marry now i thought possibly some day i might but the item was not heavy not heavy enough at least to prevent my rejoicing over the fact that i was graduating with a job i had signed a contract with an institution of which i had never heard until the negotiations leading to it opened after frequent communications with the faculty a representative of the poland union seminary of poland ohio with some misgivings had employed me to serve as its preceptress five hundred dollars a year and board yourself i was jubilant it meant economic independence the first plank in my platform i would use my leisure to work with the microscope i would save my money i would one day go abroad and study with some great biologist i would never abandon my search for the beginning of life the point where i expected to find god it was then with entire confidence in the future that i started out in august of eighteen eighty for the town of poland on the western reserve of ohio to begin what women were then talking of in more or less odd tones as a career end of chapter three